Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and following states, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you, from Bethlehem, you shall come, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained. From them, what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, verse 13. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And they remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Heavenly Father, this morning we have sung multiple times over the phrase, Come, let us adore you. God, I pray that that is what we would do this morning. That as you have written in your word, 
wise men from the east, magi, have come to bow and worship before you. May we do the same. May we worship your gift that you have given us this morning. May we worship your Son, Jesus, the Christ, Messiah. Lord, over these moments, would you allow us to see your Word. Father, may you put it in our hearts and in our lives. May we apply your Word to our lives today. Draw us close. God, I ask all of this in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. What a passage. What, what an episode. One that more than likely most of us in the room have heard before. Most of us have heard about the wise men. Most of us have heard about how they showed up late to the party, so to speak. But this morning, may I draw your attention to four thoughts on this passage. There are, no, there are a number of others, I will grant that, but I want to draw our focus to four. The first is this, news of Emmanuel's arrival. News of Emmanuel's arrival is all over the airwaves. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, as you remember, two weeks ago, we saw that, that God came in a dream to Joseph. He, he came in a dream, and Joseph was spending the night. He was sleeping. He was, everything was quite all right. And then there was this dream, and the dream showed, spoke, stated, Hey, your wife, who, excuse me, Mary, who is going to be your wife, who you are right now thinking about divorcing quietly, she is to be your wife. She is with child from the Holy Spirit. Don't put her away, but go on and follow through with your plans to marry her. News of the Arrival of God's Son is all over the airways. Last week we saw in Luke chapter 1 where it wasn't a dream, it was a visit from Gabriel, an angel, a messenger that came into the presence of Mary and said, hey Mary, here's what's going to happen. Don't freak out. Don't be afraid. And Mary said, as whatever you say, let it be done unto me. Now we see this star comes up into the sky and leads wise men from afar to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, ultimately. But news of Emmanuel's arrival is all over the airwaves, to the point that the king of Israel at the time, Herod, is troubled when news of Jesus' arrival comes, and all of Jerusalem with him. News of Emmanuel's arrival is all over the airwaves. Some 2,000 years later, news of Emmanuel's arrival is all over the airwaves. When we started the service this morning, there was a video, a cartoon, a cartoon that still is aired 
every single year all over the airwaves to state, hey, this is the meaning of Christmas. Not toys, not eggnog, not even families coming together, but the meaning of Christmas is this, that some 2,000 years ago, Emmanuel, God with us. And all over the airwaves, then and now, God gets the news of the arrival of Emmanuel out. Wise men. Who are they? Wise men. Where did they come from? Wise men. Not told. We're not told who they are. They are not named. And it's okay if it's not all about them. And it's not all about them. But God gets the news of Emmanuel, his son, and his arrival out all over the airwaves. Second truth. God provides direction. God provides direction for his plans to come about. You know, as I was studying this week, last couple of weeks, actually, about this sermon, I got stuck on this star. I've never gotten stuck on this star. I've been preaching for 20 plus years. I've done numerous series through um, the Christmas season, and I never really got stuck on the star. But for some reason, I got stuck on this star for a while and started thinking about this star. God provides direction for his plans to come about. The wise men saw the star in the sky, which they followed to Jerusalem. It's a, it's a logical place. It was the capital of Israel. And this now, this city, Jerusalem, and, and calling it the capital of Israel is uh, in the news once again. It's been the capital of Israel for quite some time, and now our president has come forward and stated some things that has stirred the pot. Seems like every time he opens his mouth, stirs the pot, but stirs the pot over this. But two things, which is a side note, and we'll get back to the star and get back to the message. Two things. One, Jerusalem has been the capital of Israel for some time, thousands of years. Two, which is more pertinent for us today, be careful. No, be careful. Emphasis needed about using present-day events and news and predicting eschatological events from them. What is eschatological? End times. Be careful. It's so easy. I don't know how many posts I saw from my preacher friends and Christian friends on Facebook over the last few days of eschatological events because... Jerusalem has been stated as the capital of Israel. Be careful. Off the tangent, back to the statement. God has planned this event, the coming of Jesus. He has planned this event out from the foundation of the world he knew the political direction of that day, and he knows the political direction of our day. He has order in what we think might be chaos. And in that day, 
He placed a star in the sky. Think about it for just a moment with me. Let's go into science class for just a few moments. If God wanted to use the natural order in which he created to bring about this event in Matthew chapter 2 that's recorded for us, if he wanted to bring, if he wanted to use the natural order for wise men in the east to see a star in the sky, what are some of the things that had to happen for him to provide direction for this plan to come about? And I will grant to you that he is all about miracles, and he could have done it faster than that. But if he wanted to use the natural laws that he set in place, what are some of the things that had to happen? First, he had to create a star to be shining at a certain time that these particular wise men would be looking for in time for them to see it, make plans, and travel to Jerusalem to bring this plan out. Yep, that didn't move me either when I thought about it. But just think about it a little further. What was some of the planning? Stars don't form overnight, not naturally. Gases, let me give you a couple of steps for how stars form because I'm very learned in that area. Gases begin to collect. And as they are collect, they are pushed together because of some phenomena. That's a scientific name, term for they don't know why it happens, it just happens. Some phenomena And they begin to spin, and as they spin, faster and faster, they pull more gases together, forming what is called a protostar. And over a long period of time, as it grows larger and larger, and as it's spinning faster and faster, hydrogen atoms begin to fuse together. And as they fuse together, they let off helium and energy, and therefore, it begins to shine. And at some point, you're like, would you please hurry up with the biology? Or excuse me, the science. Yes. At some point, it stops spinning and drawing things closer and it flips and starts blasting things away from it. Tonight, if you go out in the backyard and you look up in the sky and you see the Big Dipper. The Big Dipper is the bigger of the two dippers There is a Little Dipper and a Big Dipper, and I'm not talking about the Little Dipper, I'm talking about the Big Dipper, because I didn't look up the Little Dipper. But when you look up in the sky tonight, and you see the Big Dipper, the light that you see from those stars is 68 to 210 years old. Because of the distance of the stars away from you and away from me, it takes some 68 years for the light that you're going to see tonight to be seen from that one star and from the whole constellation as a whole, uh, 210 years. The furthest star away from Earth, that light will get here in 210 years. Years traveling 186,000 some odd miles a second, every second, every minute, every hour, week, month, and year, so you can see it. 
tonight. And so God, either faster than that or naturally using the laws that he set up, caused a star to shine so that some men from the east would see it at the proper time, would make plans and would be able to travel to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, looking for the king of the Jews. Even if you and I aren't moved by science, think of it this way. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, hundreds, yea, thousands of years before Jesus was born, God had a plan in place to say, hey, a certain time, I'm going to send you Jesus. This states before the foundation of the world that they had a conversation and he said, hey, I'm going to send you. And Jesus said, I'll volunteer. I'll go. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it's called the Proto-Evangelium. And in that statement, in that verse, it states that um, Eve's seed is going to bruise the head of Satan. All throughout the Old Testament, there are bits and pieces of this veiled Messiah that we have sung of this morning, that we have seen, that has come some 2,000 years ago. And all along, God is providing direction for his coming so that you and I in 2017 could come in a place this morning and we can lift praises to him for what he has done, for who he is, and for what he has promised to do. God planned this thing out. A couple of months ago, we were in Genesis chapter 22, and we were studying in that series, Route 66, about how Abraham was commanded by God to offer his son Isaac. He was to go and he was to offer him as a burnt offering. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 10 and following, it states these words. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know, I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And here's what God does. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. All that to say this, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And I told you, it's, it's not in the, in the verses that that ram was there for the three days of the journey, that that ram was there before God went and told Abraham. It's not in there. But I do believe that God planned for that ram to be in that place so that when Abraham and Isaac were on that mountain and Abraham had the knife above his head and that conversation began, a ram was ready when the arrival of the sun was to come. A star was ready to shine. 
All that to say this, your day, your week, your month, your moment, your life is not by chance. God has a plan for every single one of us. And in that plan, he is working his purpose out. The question for you and for me this morning is this. Do you trust him? Brian, I don't like my life. I don't like my spot. I don't like what's happening going around me. Understood? I think it's every week that uh, somebody in my house is like, I'm tired of school. I don't want to go to school. Do I have to go to school today? Yep, you do. Why? Number one, because I said so. Number two, because that's just what you have to do. Do I have to go to work? Yep. Why? Because that's just what you have to do. Do you trust him? His plan for you, his purpose for you, is a part of of his greater plan for all of creation. And what seems to be chaos, what seems possibly to be mundane, what seems to be this place that you don't want to be is exactly where he desires you to be. Doing exactly what he's calling you to do. So get this in your skull, Brian Tillman, not to y'all. He is working now, not just for now, but he's working now for the future. He's working now to provide, to protect, to direct, and bring about his plan and his purposes for your life and those around you. Third truth. Read with me in Matthew again. You'll see it in verse number 12. Excuse me, let's start in verse number 11. And going into the house, they, that's the wise men, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, after worshipping, then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Third truth this morning is this, that wise men bring gifts to their king. Are you a wise man? Are you a wise woman? Wise men bring gifts to their king. 2 Samuel chapter 24 verses 24 and 25 is King David warning a place a field, what would be the site, future site of the temple, the temple mount. He wanted to buy it, and one of the people that owned it, the person that owned it, wanted to give it to David, and David says this in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 24 and 25, but the king said to John, that's not his name, but I can't pronounce it, no... But I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. 
So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land. And the plague was averted from Israel. Just as there was a gift that cost David to bring to his king. There was a gift that cost these three wise men, excuse me, these wise men and these three gifts that they gave to the king. This morning, we have allowed you to walk into this place. We have given an opportunity with the doors open to to come before the king. You and I live in a land that is stated to be a land that has religious liberty. Freedom to worship. And we have walked into this place. And my question in this third truth is this. What's your gift that you're bringing? What's your gift? Paul stated this way in Romans chapter 12 that your gift, a part of your gift is to be a living sacrifice. That you are to be on the altar as yourself, a living sacrifice sacrifice in Romans chapter 12. But also there is this monetary gift that is to be given. Jesus stated in the Gospels to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is his. A gift. What's your gift? Wise men and women bring gifts to their king. Fourth truth, and I will... Come to a close this morning. The fourth truth is this. God provides protection for his own. God provides protection for his own during, during dangerous times. If you see that last couple of sentences in the passage that I read earlier states this in verse 13. Now, when they had departed, that means the wise men... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And he remained there, they remained there, until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. This voice, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, and Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because there they are no more. God provides protection for his own. He showed up. Joseph understood what he was saying, and that night he departed with Mary and Jesus, and they went to Egypt. I don't think that I'm making too much of this, but maybe I am. But I don't think that I am. 
Why did God have to say through the prophet Isaiah? Why did God have to say through the prophet Jeremiah these things were going to come about? It's because he knew the plan. The plan was all these things are working together to bring about my son so that when he comes, we would stop and pay attention of this coming. Hundreds of prophecies all throughout the Old Testament of this child's birth. So that, some 2,000 years after his birth, and every year before this and after this, we would see Emmanuel. God provides protection for his own during dangerous times. In Daniel chapter 5, verses 14 through 18, it states this about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're standing in front of Nebuchadnezzar, and he is about seven times hot because they will not bow down when they hear the music play. And he says, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not say, uh, serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now... If you are ready, when you hear the sound of all this music, the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigen, the harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who... Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. He has all of this worked out. I don't know how many days you're going to be alive I don't know how many days I'm going to be alive. I don't know if I have scores of years left or scores of seconds left. But every second and every year that he allows, there's a plan for you. And there's a plan for me. Just as there was a plan for his son to come at a certain time. And he provided protection for them at that moment He provided protection for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he provides protection for you and for me. Until it's time for you to go home. It's time for me to go home. The message this morning that I pray you and I understand and that we leave out of this room in just a few moments with is this. It wasn't just a whim. 
It wasn't just a whim that God sent Jesus. It wasn't just a whim that God had you here this morning. It wasn't just a whim that you were just going through your 70 years, so to speak. No, there's a plan and a purpose every single day. Are you, am I, are we understanding that? Because God saw fit to make all this stuff that we think is swirling around and is in chaos, to weave it into his purpose, not just for today, but for all eternity. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's a little different Christmas sermon. Father, honestly, it's probably a little different Christmas series. And that's okay. God, I pray for the men in the room this morning, for the women in the room this morning. God, that you would speak. Lord, you would speak to our, our hearts to let us know why you sent your son. Jesus, why you were born. What the whole meaning is, Lord. Father, it's easy for us to, to think, well, we've got another day. When we don't know what the uh, day holds. Oh, I've got another year. I, I'll, I'll get to it. Father, only you know that. Thank you for directing our paths. Thank you for, for protecting us along the way. Lord, thank you for the gift of your Son. Father, for those of us that know you as Savior and Lord, would you, would you just drive that deep in our hearts and let us be joyful of the gift that you have given us. For those that are in this room that don't know you, may you drive that deep in their hearts. May you draw them to you because you alone save. Church, we're about to stand and we're about to sing. It's a time that we call a time of response. Maybe you respond right where you are in your seat. Maybe you respond as you stand and sing. Maybe you need to come forward and just bow, pray here at the altar. Pray with me. But it is a time for you to respond. May we respond with joy. May we respond with singing. Would you stand and join Chris and the worship team as they lead us?